Welcome to Kashras on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashras Magazine. And tonight's show is going to be a very interesting one, uh, aside from a few follow-ups on, on our previous discussions, uh, we're going to be talking tonight about two very topics. One is gelatin, and uh, some people will see occasionally gelatin together in milchika products, and it's a beef gelatin, and it's a, a dairy product that has a shkocha, and they're confused, or how, how we make uh, kosher gelatin today. It's a big topic, a very, very interesting one, and then we, our next part of it is going to be about locks. That's L-O-C-K-S, not the L-O-X. Locks, as in how we safeguard the kashras today. Very, very interesting topic. I saw some material recently. I'm going to share it with you. I think you'll find it very interesting. It, not only if you're in, that's a topic that whether you're in the kashras world or you're a rov or you're just a plain bala boss and you want to know what, Show show me what the issues are that I could be able to judge if somebody's doing a good job I'll show you tonight how you can decide whether or not the cashless agency that you're looking into is really at all sophisticated and really t- handling his job, their job properly. So those are the three areas we're going to go into. A little bit about the topic of the day, which everybody's talking about the oranges. We mentioned just briefly. And then we're going to go on to the gelatin and then on to the locks. And, of course, we're going to hear from you. So you can scribble down the number now and call us when, you, when it's convenient. 718-683-5858. In the beginning, please talk about our topics. And then afterwards, we'll be able to take all your questions in general nature a little bit later on the show. But at the beginning, just call a about the topics that we're talking about tonight. So again, 718-683-5858. And you could text us at 347-927-8398. Text to 347-927-8398. So I'd just like to share with you uh, two things that happened this past week regarding the uh, orange juice story. First of all, people may have received our magazine already, those who are subscribers, and you saw that I took a very uh, even-handed policy, or at least I tried to, and that's because this topic is not something that is so clear-cut that anybody could promise you that this is it. If you don't do what I say, this, or if you do what I say, everything's fine. I don't think it's a simple topic at all. I had the opportunity this week to meet with Rabbi Goldstein and uh, in his house, and he showed me uh, what we're talking about. I mean, I had seen the video, and let, let me just say, uh, just to, uh, as an introduction over here, uh, three quick points. One, we uh, have a video. It's a seven-minute thing. You just have to email me. Just write the word scale, S-C-A-L-E, uh, and there's a subject. And send it to Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. And that video shows you all about the scale thing. It's a very, very interesting video. And without that video, I never would have been able to spot these and realize that these are the insects that we're talking about. It was very, very interesting. So he showed me a whole slew of them. And it came from orange juice with a hashkacha, a Hamish brand. And this is what he showed me right away. And uh, so it was very interesting. Now, I went there because I wanted to pick up, because of people we mentioned last week, that if you'd like to, you can get a special... Uh, 
sheet of this this uh, like it's it's industrial kind of a thing. It's not a it's not a notch. It's not a it's it's not uh, uh, lace. It's made out of some kind of uh, nylon or whatever it is exactly. Very very interesting piece of material, and uh, I used it. And if you want to get that, you can get it from us. It's not not cheap. It'll cost you eighteen dollars to get a piece, and it'll last forever. And they can use it for flower. Well, I don't think if you're going to want for flower, but if you're checking for any bugs and and water, if you want to uh, prevent the bugs from coming through in this fashion over here, it's a wonderful little tool. Very, very simple to use, and we're going to send along instructions. So that's if you want it, it's eighteen dollars. You call us at seven one eight three three six eight five four four seven one eight three three six eight five four four. Again, seven one eight three three six eight five four four, and they'll leave your number. We'll get back to you. That's if you're interested in just getting that uh, filter paper that we're talking about. Anyway, I, went, I took it home and I worked on it. It took only a few minutes to prepare. Uh, you know, a whole orange juice, run it through there. It's not so so difficult. I think that the two things that I learned w- about it was that uh, y- that you, you got to do it a little slowly. You can't just pour the whole thing in because then it gets a little trapped. Uh, and then. And uh, really just, I think you have to clean it out like once in the middle, uh, don't pour it all out, and then just like clean off the, the sheet. It takes a, a second to run under the water, and then everything really runs through. I didn't take uh, a heavy pulp one. I took one that is, the, you'll excuse me, the Hamisher brands. And uh, so the Hamisher brands are maybe very, not as pulpy as the other, and that's what I used. You could try uh, a national brand, but just don't take the pulpy one, and I think you'll find it very helpful. So if you want that, you'll contact, contact us either at kashris at AOL.com or at our office, 718-336-8544. We got callers already, but I got to at least finish the, the topic over here. The other thing that I want to let you know is that one of the major yeshivas in our community, I won't mention names, I think anyone who's walking the streets now knows who we're talking about. It's a major, major yeshiva in our area, one of the biggest in our area, and they've taken out orange juice completely from the, from the shelves. And it was interesting to me, I met uh, one of the people who, uh, maybe the Bible said he's tied into that yeshiva, and his, his, his young young fellow, when somebody in my block came over to me and he said, talked to me about orange juice, and he said he's the, they don't have the orange juice in his yeshiva. He was asking a little bit about it. And then he mentioned the name of this rabbi, and he says that rabbi uh, will not drink the orange juice, and yet he doesn't want to come out with an Easter for everybody else. So you see, that's sort of where things are sitting with a lot of people that they're, you know, it's not a clear-cut thing, 150%. And that's why I wouldn't pronounce in the magazine one way or the other. And I know I met just yesterday a gentleman who came over to me, and he said that he was sitting with one of our prominent rabbis today in America, uh, and who was writing a tshuva on this topic. And he told him that there's absolutely no problem whatsoever. So I asked him why. He said it's not that common. It's not, it's not regular that they see it. Now, I saw what they're finding. I haven't checked the numbers of how often they find. I, I, I cannot tell you. That's something I would have to spend a lot of hours working on to prove to, me, to my satisfaction one way or the other. And I'm, it's not something that I'm interested in going into. It takes three to five minutes or maybe less 
maybe two minutes or three minutes to 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 get yourself a whole uh, uh, quart of orange juice. So I don't see the purpose of uh, making myself crazy. If I, if it's easy for me to do in the house, then I certainly plan to do it that way. And right away, I went out and bought orange juice for Shabbos. Uh, made sure that I that I took care of it right away because it was very very simple and easy to do. So that's that's up to everybody how they decide what they want to do with the orange juice. And now we do have some callers. Okay, we'll take the callers and then we'll get back to the other topics in just a minute. Go ahead, Yaron Kasher Sunliyek. Can we help you? Hello, I want to ask. I'm calling from England. Do you know if this thing where the orange juice applies in England as well? Well, you know, you're asking a, a question that is really very hard for me to answer. I, I can't talk about what's going on there. The Kashmir agencies by now have heard so much about this, maybe they've looked into it, and you can consult one of the Kashmir agencies. My personal, I don't want to say favorites, but the ones that I usually speak to very often are Kadassia and Manchester Basin. They would be have an answer for you if you want to contact them. Is my own feeling is it's absolutely impossible that the problem isn't everywhere because I mean, it's not in Israel because the Kashrus agencies in Israel are very, very careful about this. The Badats in Israel is, it does, is very careful about it. Rabbi Landau and Bnei Brak is very careful about it. And Rabbi Rubin and Rehovot is very careful about it. So they are the major Kashrus agencies, you know, the Hamish ones, are very careful in Israel. But in Europe, I have no idea what they do. It's just that I know that the nature of orange juice, the way that it's made, I have also a video, if you really want it, I, I probably could send you the video of how to make orange juice. The main things you see there, just two things you want to see, is how they wash down the oranges. It's not, a, it's not a rubbing it or cleaning it. It's sort of like a wash, and it's like a spray, and it's very uh, perfunctory. It's, it doesn't really remove these things. And the second thing... Uh, that's very interesting is how they squash the whole orange together. So most of the uh, orange juice companies are just squashing the whole orange together, and I think that's probably universal. So I can't imagine that the issue is not there. But again, this is not something that I'm poskining here, and 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 I and I want you to know it's it really is inappropriate for me to tell anybody what to do. I say that there's really a split here. Different rabbanim dealt with it differently. Some consider it too small. Some consider it uh, too rare that they have it, and, uh, and others see, see these things regularly. How could there be such confusion? That's what I talked about last week. I said there shouldn't be confusion. Each side should be forced to deal with the other one. If I say that there's bugs in this thing, then I should be able to show you. You should be willing to listen to me and see me, and I'll take the orange juice containers, open them up. I'll take from anywhere you want. Buy you, buy them for me, and I'll open them up, and I'll show you the bugs. If you don't see them, so then, of course, I'm making the whole thing up. But if you see them, so then you have to accept it. And the, the other side has to also, uh, you know, it, it has to be willing to uh, listen to the people who are saying it's not common and see what did they do and discuss with them the technique techniques and, uh, and see if we're all doing the same thing. Are we using the same level of straining or are we using different levels of straining? So these are things that have to be, you know, have to be worked out together. And then the, a lot of the rabbanim who are paskining, you have to know where they got the information from. It's very, very common when, it, when you're dealing with this kind of information that uh, different rabbanim will get different sources of information and will decide this, the shaila differently. So really what it's needed is more 
um, you know, unbiased approach. And unfortunately, since we don't have an independent cautious lab in the, in the United States, we don't have any way of dealing with this. It's going to be everybody doing it for themselves. So some cautious agencies will be mocked and some won't. And that's what's going to happen. But if you're asking me, did it happen in England? It has, it has to be. Okay, I just thought maybe like we get oranges from different places, so it might not apply. But if it applies well, to again, all different oranges, maybe I'm yeah. saying it too strongly. You know, the thing about the scale is it's a, it's a regular kind of um, you know a pest that uh, that attacks the the oranges. I don't know if it only happens you know if it happens more often in Florida than it happens in 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 uh, in Brazil. Or in Israel, I don't know. I I, that's, I didn't study that uh, area, and, uh, and so it, it, even if it's more common in one part of the world than the other, still, in all, oranges seem to be uh, sold in different countries. I mean, they be bought from different countries. So we do have a lot of orange juice from Brazil. We do have orange juice from Israel. So we, you know, it's not it's not that uh, it's all coming from Florida. And even when it says Florida squeeze and Florida this and Florida that, but it's not all Florida uh, uh, grown. So it's a lot of times we do have oranges from the rest of the world too. And uh, I'm not so sure that it would be any different over there. But you can consult, I would say, Manchester-based and and, uh, and uh, Kadassia. They will be most familiar with it. Okay? Okay, thank Th- you very thank much. Thank you very much for calling. Okay, we have another caller? Okay, another caller. Go ahead. You're on Cautious on the Air. Can I help you? Nobody? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Yeah, how are you? I have a, a question regarding, um, I understand your orange issue with the orange and the scales, and I don't really understand it, but I, I feel, can I move over to wine? Do, yeah, but wait, you do understand it. You, you just don't understand I don't, facts. I don't, because... I, I can't, you, is somebody Hello? there? Are you there? Go ahead, yeah. yes. What do you mean you don't understand? It's simple like this. There's, there on the outside of oranges, some, a certain number of scale insects. They, when they produce orange juice, most of the orange juice companies, as far as I know all of them, but I heard some kind of variation with uh, one of the national brands, but the, but the uh, way that they produce it is they take an orange and they put the orange in the machine and the machine crushes the orange as is, with the skin, with the peel, with the peel, with the uh, with the pits, with every single thing in the orange. It's all squished together at one time, and when that happens, the juice comes out. It spurts right out. But also the 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 the, the peel of the orange. Some of that goes off and, and comes into the uh, and comes into the juice. So these scale insects find their way into the orange juice. And no one is denying it, and I've seen them. They're, they're definitely there. And even the ones who are maker on the orange juice will admit that there are scales in the, and the, the scale insect is in the orange juice. The question is how often? But no one is claiming that they're not there. They are there. So why is it not Batel Bashishim? If you can't make it, I okay. can't see it. Batel Bashishim, so good. I love it. I love it. Good, good question. I, I'm not, listen, I'm really Amaharit, so forgive You're me. You're not Amaharit. You're a good person. You're asking sincerely. You don't worry. Don't, you're not an Amaritz. We'll get to your wine in just a minute. But let's, let's finish this, and then I really have to do other topics after your call. So, so you're, you're asking about, you're asking, why is it not Batel B'Shishim? So I'll explain to you. There's a halacha, midrabanan. 
Okay? It's a regular simon in Shulchan Aruch, in Hilchas Tarubas, a whole simon. It's a simon kuf. It's, a, it's about, it's called birya. A birya afilu be'elech lo batel. So even, even if it's a thousand, and a thousand doesn't mean a thousand, even if it's a million, it's not batel if it's a birya. A birya is a whole bug. So the problem is they're finding whole bugs. You could identify them as whole bugs. You're finding bugs in the oranges. Now, uh, how many, how often, how big? Uh, you get, with discussion we'll have, right? There's a discussion. But definitely there are insects in the orange juice. Whether the halachically they're of concern, that is for the Rabbanim to decide. But for us, so we should know that it exists. For sure it exists. I hear you. This is like the problem with the water, right? Well, every problem is different, and I'm not going to go into the water, but I'm going to discuss your wine question. What is it? Please. Okay, I just, I was, do they wash the grapes before it gets crushed and before it goes through the process of being crushed? Do they wash that out, or does that go from the, from the vineyard onto a truck right into the grape squeezer? I can't answer, but I would think they don't wash it. So why would you not have the same problem? Do not anticipate that there would be okay. problems. So now, let me, let me explain to you. I'll explain that. It's a very good question. It, it, it all has to, do with, it has to do with two things. One, it has to do with the amount of processing that goes on. And there's much more processing in the making of the, of the wines. And secondly, we're talking about the bug itself. You don't have a scale problem with, with uh, grapes, as far as I know. You have different things. It could be mites, etc. So the Yeah, so the insects that we're talking about here are, because of the way oranges are produced, and there's only a flash pasteurization of 15, 20 seconds, it's less involved. Then, and it doesn't destroy them completely. And also maybe because of the, the kind of insect that the scale is, and also its size. It's not so tiny. It really is not so tiny. I can see every one of them with the naked eye. Just, but the problem of identifying it is hard because this insect hasn't got a whole bunch of arms and legs. It, he, he's a little blob with a couple of eyes. He, you'll see the video. You'll see that he doesn't, he's not very exciting. So you, but I see that in the, when I looked at the actual scales, when they were blown up, I saw it clearly that that's the fellow we're, look, we're talking about on the video. So he's there. Uh, but, but as far as the, uh, the mites or whatever could be on the grapes, as far as I know, they don't, uh, they don't get in. Now, again, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. I have a, and I'm sure that if it was an issue, we would have heard about it because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question you're asking, and I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a question. No, I think there's no doubt that all these people that we're talking about, they excited about the uh, the orange juice, I right. got, would, would would comment on that too. Let Nisim say a word. Go uh, ahead. See the process of the wine. It's coming of filtration and oh, filtration, filtration much uh, and a thinner scale. And th- that's the issue. It's ah, not the filtration. The filter, of course, filtration. They, in fact, if they filter wine, they yeah, filter right, it yeah, in yeah, all yeah, the process. Okay. Right, right. Okay, that's a, very that's yeah, but it's crushed first. What? It's crushed first, then filtered. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. Fine. But as long as it's filtered, the problem we have so, is the orange is not filtered at all. Yeah, of course, what do you mean? If it's pulpless, if it's pulpless orange juice, 
Is it not filtered? If you get not with pulp, without pulp. No, no. So again, again you're right. You're right. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll change that. I don't know how they do that part, but you're right. There must be some kind of filtration, but the filtration might be too wide to be able to... Uh, about this, the, the, last week we spoke about yeah. the sizes of the, the size mesh. Of the right, mesh the, right, with the uh, size of the mesh, right. Yeah, but I think you th- and I know what pulp looks like. I'm just asking, I, you know, pulp is, it could be a little bit thick, so if it's filtered through, should I mean, should it not be any pulpless oranges? Should be... I mean, I don't, no, yeah, I don't know I'll anything. Tell you, I'll asking. tell you. It, 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 it just, this is very interesting, what you're saying. There's no question that they checked uh, orange juice that had no pulp. That said, one that says no pulp, they've checked that orange juice. I used the Hamisher brand uh, this Friday, and what I saw was uh, it's a no pulp, and believe me, it's pretty watery. You know, I didn't think they had, I didn't say they had the water, but I mean, it's a watery thing. It's not a, it's not a pulpy thing. And, when, uh, it's, and, and, and I got a certain amount of it stuck on my, uh, on my filter, so there is a certain amount of pulp left in there. Obviously, they're not filtering as tightly as, as what I used. As, as the be- so I'm just, I want to I get a little clarity. The better brands, do you think they do a good filtering job? There's no brand that filters well. There's no brand that we know that filters well. And the reason is because, you, or, I'm going to explain it to you. The orange juice companies are huge. They're giants. Even the Hamisher brand that you just saw a new brand come out and, and they're selling in 10 stores, they're buying it from a huge company. They're not buying it. There's no small guys making these things. They're really very, very large companies. And those large companies do not have the filtration in place. And they're not going to put it in for, uh, uh, for a little guy in the Flatbush Borough Park to put it in. He should sell to a few stores. They're, they're, no, they're not going to deal with that. They, with their size of the, the volume of what they do, and the, it has to move fast, otherwise it costs them a fortune. They'd rather not have us as customers than to do any change in their program. This is a fact. Right. So I'm, I'm not... Right. So I'm not asking you for a Pesach. I just want to understand. If I go buy a, a bottle of uh, a branded orange juice and I put it through a strainer, would then that satisfy all opinions? Yes, if you put it through the right size strainer. So there are two things that I know of. There may be more. The two things that I know is a Pella filter, P-E-L-A-H, uh, they not actually a filter. It's it's a sifter. They use it for flour. You could buy it in any hardware store. Yeah, I mean, it's an Israeli brand. Okay. I know they do it to filter the flour. Right. So that that product, according to people that I've spoken to, uh, I've communicated with, that's considered to be acceptable. The, what, the thing that I used is much tighter than that, and I tell you, I lost maybe an ounce out of the sixty-four ounces. Oh, wow. so, so it doesn't. I didn't lose very much. But it's, a, it's, not, it's not a big deal, the whole thing. Whatever you use, you know, if, you, if you use one of these things, you're probably safe. But again, you have to get something that has a proper mesh. It's a proper... Uh, proper 100%. Okay, thank you very much. I got thank you very much today. for taking my thank call. For, I appreciate I it. I love it. I thank you very much for calling. I hope I helped you. You did. Thank you. Okay, before we go on, I have to take a minute to talk about a sponsor, and otherwise I'll forget about it. I mean, we, we want to talk about Gladmark because we appreciate the work that they do together with us all these years. They're in business about 35 years, and we're, we're in business about 35 years, and pretty much since the beginning uh, of both our businesses, they've been supporting the work that Cautious Magazine does. They're advertisers of ours in the magazine, and they've been helping us out here as well. So uh, Gladmart is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M.
When you think of, of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for full wagon load, you can save plenty of money on their uh, shopping at Glotmart. And their weekly specials, which run from, from Wednesday to Tuesday, are extremely helpful. I'm going to mention a few items that are on sale starting December 31st, on this Wednesday. Oberlander's Chocolate Vanilla and Cinnamon Ruggelach, the $2.99. All Coke 2 liters are four for five dollars. That's a dollar and a quarter for all Coke two, two liters. Crispic cereal, 12 ounce, two dollars and 39 cents. Kedem soup mixes, 89 cents, a six ounce size. Or Shabbos candles, 72 count, three dollars and 99 cents. Um, we see Mendelssohn's lasagna, eggplant parmesan, baked ziti or macaroni and cheese is two ninety nine. Uh, Golden Flow pe- peas and carrots, one twenty nine. These are just some of the items. Um, the they have also in their meats, semi boneless chuck, seven twenty nine a pound. Veal spare ribs, eight forty nine a pound. Uh, very big uh, savings on the uh, family pack chuck patties, four ninety nine a pound. And at Gladmart, you can also save a lot of time by using their valet parking service. Just pull in from the East 12th Street entrance and they'll have the car ready for you to load up with all those special items you purchase in the store. And at Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1. With kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatikashas of Flatbush, with base Yosef meats and with expert Nikor, at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashrus on the Air over J-Root Radio. Now, I'd, I'd like to um, take a moment now before we get into get lost in anything else. I really want to make sure we discuss this matter of the gelatin. And if you want to call in, you might do that, but I would appreciate if you talk about gelatin. I'm going to read something to you, and I'm reading it to you for a, no, a number of reasons. And I, I want you, I'll tell you where you can get it also, if, if that's important. But I want you to understand what we're reading. There's a tremendous confusion about gelatin. Gelatin, at one time, when, when I was younger, I mean, in many of my listeners now, when we were younger, we knew that you couldn't have kosher gelatin. It was an oxymoron. You can't have kosher gelatin because all the gelatin was made from non-kosher animals. They used either the bones or the hide. They used the, the, the skin. Now, we knew that with non-kosher animals, that was all that was existence. Nobody gave hashkocha to animals that were geshochten, that they, that they shechted. It wasn't done. And it's an interesting story of why not. Going back to the last generation, and I mean the last generation, Rabbi Chaim Ozegrazinski was the poisek hador for a good, a nice little tukufa, Chaim Ozegrazinski. And he was makel and held that gelatin could be used from non-kosher animals. But he had a lot of stipulations about how clean it was and uh, other, other stipulations about the, uh, the use of it. And what happened was the people started to give hashkocha were the ones, were the rabbis who were not uh, Haredi rabbis. The, over the years, the only Jews who gave hashkocha for kosher gelatin were traditional 
which means not orthodox, not conservative, a different group called traditional rabbis. They didn't have mechitzas in their shul. That's the kind of rabbis in general who gave hashkacha to regular gelatin, which they was made in a regular companies, the Goyim are using, Knox gelatin, and they were saying this is kosher, and they would put kosher gelatin, they put a name on it, and they would use it in certain products. Uh, I think it was some of the uh, Jello brand used to use it, etc. And they used to use that, it says, K, used to say kosher gelatin, but everybody knew kosher gelatin was not kosher. And that's how it was until about 20 years ago. Everybody knew kosher gelatin we don't use. All the hashkochas in the States said we're not going to use this kosher gelatin. And it was only those rabbis giving themselves certification and then uh, accepting the Knox gelatin and then putting it into the products and they put their name on the products too. That's basically what was happening. For kosher gelatin, you knew it wasn't kosher. Now, again, my rabbi... Of Ashizim and Zatzal told me, Rabbi Yosef, he said, he only mixed in the two things that I did. Uh, one was this. He said, Rabbi Yosef, never say gelatin is not kosher. Because Rabbi Chaim Ozegrizinski said it was kosher. I know it may not be done right. I know the Hashem's agencies don't use it. But don't you say that, 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 that the gelatin that they're selling and calling kosher gelatin is treif. So you can't really say that. So I really never said it. I discussed the topic in the magazine, but I never said it's really treif. And I'm not going to say it now. I'm saying that we looked at it as not kosher. No one in the kosher world used it for over 40 years. And it was only one time that there was kosher gelatin made. That was by Mr. Klein, who from Barton's Candy, because he, Mr. Klein, was a from Yid. He owned Barton's Candy, and he made a run of kosher gelatin with shrita, and with Chashev Rabbanim involved, uh, Rabbi Aaron Cutler Zatzal was, uh, was involved in it, uh, Rosh Shimon Eider, who later on put, put out the only kosher gelatin, the, the first kosher beef gelatin that, that we ever had. So Rabbi uh, Shimon Eider, a Poisek from, from Lakewood, very Chashev Yidin, I was my Rebbe for a while. So, so Rabbi Shimon Eider was, a, um, was actually at that one production was made for Barton's. And because it was extremely expensive and very hard to do, they made one production and used it very sparingly for many, many years. That's that's how, how rare the whole thing was. And that's what happened for, you know, as I say, 40 years it wasn't being used, except for that one run with the uh, Bartons. So then what happened is that Rabbi Shimon Eider said that he wants to make kosher gelatin with shrita, and he did, in the beginning, he did it with everything. He had not just shrita, but he was made sure that the animals were glat kosher. Checking the lungs, everything had to be glat kosher. And not only that, he salted the meat, and he salted so that the bones that would uh, be uh, used, or the hide that would be used would have been salted. That's a, that was a big step. Because, uh, you know, there's no blood in there. When you get the, the gelatin, there's not going to be blood in it. But anyway, that he step he made. Later on, he took that step out. But in the very beginning, that was one of the steps he made. And he very, 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 very medoctic in how he made his gelatin. That, uh, and that was used in, uh, in some marshmallows that came out from Lakewood, from Golden Fluff, and a few other things, whatever it was. Not too many products were using it. And they're still, I think they're still out today. It's Elyon, uh, I believe it's called. So, so... That was what Rosh Shimon Ida did. And then later on, 
uh, the OU got involved with some companies who were making fish gelatin. Fish gelatin took off, and fish gelatin today is very successful because it's what we call high bloom. They were able to get the quality that could make the thing really chewy and make the changes that gelatin does in a product. So that's fish gelatin is really running the show now, although there are other uh, there's still beef gelatin out there. And that's part of the, the interesting discussion. So I'm going to read something to you, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, make statements about it and, you know, communicate with you. If you have a question, you could ask me, but I'm just basically going to read it straight. I think it's an eye-opener. I showed this to several people, and they were absolutely amazed. So I'm sharing it with you. If you get out of it, you know, what well, we saw in it, Fine. If you don't, fine. It's going to be very educational anyway. So this is about fish gelatin, and it's printed in the Dafa Kashras from the OU, which you could get if you wanted to. You could just uh, go to the OU site or just write Dafa Kashras, D-A-F, next word, Hakashras, H-A-K-A-S-H-R-U-S, as in Kashras magazine, but it's not me. <laughs> anyway, Dafa Kashras. Uh, this is from the May-June 2014 edition. Fish Gelatin by Rabbi Eli Gersten. The OU follows the psak of Rab Moshe Feinstein Zatzal that kosher gelatin made from properly slaughtered and koshered hides is considered parva. Although hides themselves are meat, durabonin, which means rabbinic, and not, not uh, according to Bosa Bacholov, meat and milk, for the, um, for the matter of that, uh, hides are not considered to be real meat. They're considered midarabonin, rabbinically they're considered meat. The gelatin extracted from hides has a status of tzir. Tzir is like a juice. From basar drabonin, which is parva. Again, the basar is basar drabonin. But the tzir, the juices that come out of it, they consider to be uh, parva. What about regarding fish gelatin? Does the process of changing the fish skins into gelatin remove the danger that may have by eating fish gelatin with meat? Fish skins are edible, so they have the same status as fish. But if gelatin is viewed as tzir, which means the juices that come from meat, then it's not clear if tzir dogim and meat pose a danger. Additionally, the process of creating gelatin can perhaps be used as a shinui, an inherent change. Rav Schachter, that's Rav Herschel Schachter, felt that there was a good reason to be lenient since Muggen of Rome questions whether today the same degree of danger exists. However, Rabelsky felt that the question still has no clear resolution. Therefore, products containing fish gelatin, especially those that might be used with meat, should be labeled OU fish. However, if the fish gelatin is botobashishim, if it's nullified in 60 in a product, we don't need to label the product OU fish, whether or not fish gelatin is actually on the ingredient label, but the OU position is that uh, if it's botobashishim, we're not going to list it as fish on the packaging. Fish scale gelatin. There's a variety of fish gelatin that is made exclusively from fish scales. Because scales are inedible, they're not considered like fish. Rabelsky said this type of gelatin 
would not need to be labeled OU fish. Non-kosher fish gelatin. The OU will not certify gelatin made from the skins of non-kosher fish. Although gelatin has the status of tzir, that's the juice that comes out from the meat or whatever, and tzir of a non-kosher fish is only forbidden from the rabbis, nonetheless, it's still forbidden. When gelatin manufacturers receive bulk deliveries of fish skin, there is often the chance that a small amount, well below bittel, of non-kosher skins might be mixed in. Shulchan Aruch says that the mixture of small fish that may contain some non-kosher bycatch are forbidden, even if the amount of non-kosher is very small, since we're concerned that one may end up eating a piece of the treif. However, in this situation, Rabelsky and Rav Shachter agreed that since the skins are dissolved and become a taruvas lach balach, that means a mixture, a liquid mixture, any potential non-kosher skins will be nullified. Therefore, we need not sift through the skins. However, the mashkiach needs to know the difference between the kosher and the non-kosher skins so that he can guarantee that the number of non-kosher skins will be well below nullification, well below bittel. Had to turn the pages. It takes a second. And here is the continuation. Glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate are common dietary supplements that are taken to alleviate arthritis. Although vegetable glucosamine does exist, more commonly it is sourced from the shells of shrimp lobsters, and crab. Chondroitin can be sourced from shark, bovine, or porcine cartilage. The shells and cartilage are processed in a manner similar to gelatin. Although the OU does not rely on the heter of nishtana, that the thing changed in its production, or atzamos yeveshos, that they're, dry, like, they're like dried bones, to permit gelatin. However, Rabelsky and Ravshachta held that we can certify pills that are intended as an arthritis remedy that contain glucosamine and chondroitin. This is because pills are considered nifsel meachila, not edible, and are permitted as a rafua baduka, as a known remedy. See Ramor 155.3. However, glucosamine or chondroitin may not be added to any food, and any utensils that are used that process these ingredients would not be uh, would need to be koshered, just as we would kosher after gelatin. So there is a little note here. I will just read the note. Ordinarily, we require labeling a product OU fish, even if the fish is bottle, if fish is not identified on the ingredient panel. This is because otherwise a consumer who wishes to be machmir for the opinion of the Taz that a fish is not bottled b'shishim would have no way to know. However, regarding fish gelatin, Rabelsky said one need not be concerned for the Taz since the halacha follows the shach and there is bittel with fish and there is no reason to say that in this case even the Taz would be lenient. So, I'm sorry, there is reason to say that in this case the Taz would be lenient. 
I, I'm sorry if it's a little confusing because I couldn't, um, you know, I, I didn't want to explain it. I thought maybe if I explain it too much, uh, you know, would be commenting. I didn't want to comment on what they wrote. They're entitled to write whatever they want to write, and I wanted people to hear it. I think there were a couple of points in there that are very interesting, and I hope you got something out of it. If you didn't hop it, so then go to Dafa Kashras, and you'll be able to look up the specific topic that I'm talking about, fish gelatin, that was published in the May-June 2014 edition. It's called Volume Chaf Base Number 7, E.R. Sivan 5774, and it starts on page 43, I believe. There's not, there's not a number on it, but I think it's 43. And that gives you a little bit idea about fish gelatin. Uh, really, the, the gelatin issue is very important for us because a lot of times people go buying a, a product, let's say, like a yogurt, and they see on one product, I mean, this is not Chol of Stam, I'm not, many of my listeners might be only using Chol of Israel, but let's say you had a Chol of Stam product like certain yogurt, and you see on it OU, and then you look at another one, it looks like the same thing, and it says K. Doesn't say oh you well, who's the K? I can tell you who the K is. Just look in your ingredients and you'll see kosher gelatin there. And that kosher gelatin is not the OU's gelatin. And that's why the OU will not allow uh, that product to have their OU on it. And the rabbi who's putting his name on it is a rabbi who certifies that gelatin. And he's putting his name on the product as well. So that's the kind of thing that uh, that, that I think is why it's so important for us to understand a little bit about gelatin. So if there are no questions about that, I'm going to go on my last topic, which I think is very interesting. I see there's a couple people asking me here. They texted something in. Sorry, uh, if you want to call in, our number again is 718-683-5858. Before I mention that, I just want to tell you, uh, this is a very important announcement. I'm sorry I didn't make it in the beginning. We are starting a program to train women. Uh, for themselves, for the home, not the mashkichos, that just plain training. But it's set up a certain way, and here are the details. And uh, really have to work quickly on this one. Next Motzei Shabbos, not the coming week, not this week, but the week of Shmois. This is Vayachi? No, not this week. Next, the following week, the week of Shmois. Uh, I don't know the time yet. We're going to have the program then. And Rabbi David Goldstein is the one directing this program. He's going to be there. He's going to make the presentation together with a woman who will be helpful to the helping the, the ladies do the checking and whatever they're doing there. So this is a real solid program, top, top notch. And it's limited to 10 people whenever we run it. This is the first time. I can't tell you when the second time will be. Hopefully, we'll do a bunch of them. I don't have the exact time. We'll try to make it a convenient time. Hopefully, it'll work for you. But if you're interested at all, then you have to call as soon as possible and leave your name. And you can leave it tonight, or you can call the office tomorrow. But don't wait. 718-336-8544. If you're a man listening, sign your wife up. For the woman listening, sign yourself up. It's going to be worth everything to be at that that program. Again, 718-336-8544 to be part of the uh, the training program for insect infestation. 
And also, you'll tell us when we speak to you which vegetables you're most interested in because limited uh, possibilities, but we're going to have to zero in on a few to uh, be able to make it a success. But it's going to be an absolute eye-opener for anyone who attends. Okay, now, that said, let me read a couple of questions I see that came in, and then I'm going to go on to my third topic. Somebody's asking me what a scale bar looks like. Is a website where I can see one? And so the answer to that is, I told you, just send me an email, not to J-Root over here. Send me the email, kashrus at AOL.com, K-A-S-H-R-U-S at AOL.com, and just write scale, S-C-A-L-E. Don't write anything else, and we're going to send you the video. We don't send it directly. It's sent from a, a service. So it will tell you about the service. It's a, a, usually we use um, transfer big files, but we use another one also, a different name. Some I don't know, whatever young lady wants to use, she uses. But you'll get a, a transfer service. We send you an email, and then you can expect an email from this, this company, and you just download it. You have five days to download it. That's all. If you miss it, so you'll call us again, okay? So that's the, the simple thing. Is there a website? Well, you can see it on YouTube, the video on YouTube, but I don't want to push YouTube where you can get the video from me. Uh, No charge, of course. Okay. Uh, Now, you say, this person says, I have sifted four bottles of a certain orange juice and have only found one black dot, but it did not look like a bug. Well, I'm going to tell you, you probably don't have any training, like you said, and when you'd have the training, you'd find it. But you have to know how to look. You have to have the right thing. And also, the person sifting it, I wonder what size sifter you used. you got to use something that really traps it properly. So if you want to, if it's a woman, go to the program. If you want to, you know, with Rabbi Goldstein, if you want to just see where the bug is, so send us uh, an email. Now, somebody said to me, so what's the bottom line about orange juice? Should I buy it or stay away from now? Will the psak come out? We expect the psak to come out. Uh, but in general, a thing like this, I tell the same thing to everybody. Ask your rabbi. Now, people always say to me, you ask my rabbi, my rabbi knows nothing about this. He doesn't even know what a scale looks like. You're right. Your rabbi doesn't know what a scale is. He doesn't know what's going on inside the orange juice. He doesn't have a, uh, he doesn't have a, a loop to check it. I know all that. But your rabbi has Yerushimayim. And that's the rabbi that you choose to answer your questions about Torah and, and, and help you make decisions in life. And that's where you go. Let somebody lead you. I'm not taking the responsibility, and nobody else should accept the rov that you've assigned to be as, your rov. As it says in Pirkei Yavis, Asay Lechorov, appoint for yourself a rov. Okay, now we're going to go on to the third topic, which I think is very exciting. Even though it was only 15 minutes, I think it's going to be enough. This is a topic of locks. Now, let me tell you why this is interesting, where I get this material from. There's an organization called ACO. ACO is the Association of Kashrus Organizations. It's an umbrella organization for all the major Kashrus organizations in the world. Now, I'm, that's exaggeration, because there's only like about 150, 125 or 150 members, and there's thousands, over 1,000 hashkachas. So I don't know if it's really going to be 
but it is the only thing that really has an international and a very strong base here in the country. And everybody who takes Kashra seriously knows and is involved or wants to be a member of ACO. It is the, it is the real umbrella organization. There's nothing else like it at all. Of course, in Europe, they have organizations, in Israel, they have organizations, but this is a, an overall organization. And they have a conference. And this year, the conference was held, in, held November 3rd and 4th in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. I couldn't attend, but I do have the information. I have actual, the actual words of what was said there. It was all transcribed. So here's the discussion that went on about locks. And, and the reason it's important for us as plain consumers or important for people in Kashrus is because you have to know to stay on top of uh, the people who are doing the hashgacha, who I'm sorry, who are doing the, uh, who, who you're giving hashgacha to. I, I, I always like to say that in New York, uh, there's, you know, the, the standards that we have by the OU, where nothing opens up without them being there. Now, it doesn't mean a plant in Iowa that's making a uh, uh, product and they use the same ingredients all the time. They may only take a visit once every few weeks. I don't know, or maybe once every few months. I don't know how often they go to any of the plants. But I'm saying a regular restaurant, uh, you know, caterer, restaurant, uh, bakery, in uh, a small scale, in, in, uh, that, that's, that's, that has a shkocha from the OU, requires the mashkiach to be there from the second the place opens up. If the mashkiach isn't there, they can't get in. Sometimes they can get into the building, but they can't get into where the food is. Absolutely not. And it doesn't matter if they're from. They're from owners. doesn't matter. That's an OU policy. Most of the other organizations don't do that. So, but anyway, they have to monitor. So we're going to watch people, but we want to watch people who are honest we have to make sure that they're being honest. But if they can go ahead and break in, and I'm giving Ashkocha to a non-religious Jew or to a non-Jew, and they can break in and sneak into their facility in the middle of the night and put something else in or take something out, well, then I don't have Ashkocha. <laughs> but you have a lock, don't you? But what good is a lock today? Listen to these words. This I'm reading right off the paper. The internet is full of instructions through which one can quickly learn how to get through a lock in a non-destructive and undetectable manner. That means that I could get in or I could hire somebody to get me in and no one would know that I broke in. That's exactly what I'm telling you. I read again. The internet is full of instructions through which one can quickly learn how to get through a lock in a non-destructive and undetectable manner. So that really says the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you eight ways that they can do that. Number one, there's a bypass. You can get sometimes into the, pl- into the place without using the lock. They unscrew the door, they do this, certain things that can get in other ways. It's a bypass. Decode. Sometimes they can figure out the combination that opens the lock. They can decode it. Just like you decode a message that's coming in, you know, translating a message. So they can decode the actual locks. There's a magnet. Some, some are a strong magnet sometimes can open a lock. There's a shim. 
Everybody knows that. You, you have the uh, the jimmy, we call it, you know, to get into the to the car when you, you left all your keys in the car and uh, you call chaverim or you call uh, AAA. They have a little thing, jig. All the gun of them have one and they can get into your car without having, a, without even get right past the lock. So that's a shim. There's a pick. There's a certain little thin piece of metal that you can put in the keyhole and use it to open the lock. There's a bump. A bump is you file down the blank key in certain specific places. It makes like a master key, and you can open up the lock. There's key duplication, where you can duplicate the actual key. You make a pseudo key. And then there's a master key. Believe it or not, there's some grand master keys going around that can open a hundred, I mean, so many locks. So that's as far as getting in eight ways, and the mashkiach won't know, and the hashkocha won't know. And therefore, regular locks as we know them are close to worthless. It will prevent an honest guy who doesn't have the money and the time to do it but that's us, the from people. The dishonest person will have absolutely no problem getting in. That's what we was taught at this ACO meeting this year by Rabbi Ribiat from COR in Canada and Rabbi Tzvi Haber also from the COR in Canada. Now here are the, some of the ways in which you can prevent them from breaking in. It's one thing is called destructive entry. For ex- it's basically, the simplest part of it is a commercial door lock cover. In other words, I have a lock, that's a good lock, but I put a cover over the lock and then I lock up the cover. And then I lock the cover in a way that, that the only way to get in is to break the lock. To break the cover, I'm sorry. So the lock, it can be picked and played with a da-da-da. But the, the only way to get into this thing is to actually break it. You break the cover. It's a little metal cover. It's circular. goes around it. And it, it, in, in the, it doesn't allow the person to play around with the lock. So that's something that's done. It's called a commercial door lock cover. Then there are some locks that are almost, or we say virtually, unpickable. So there are some really good locks. Right now, the abloy lock is a good example of a lock that's considered virtually impossible to overcome without the key. But every so often, the gun of him get past that. But at the present time, there's a top-grade lock. So the Hashgacha agency can't just have the locks they had last year and 10 years ago. They have to be on top of what are the best locks to use right now. Then there's video surveillance, and there's random checking where they send somebody in at the times he's not supposed to be there. You know, all the stories you've heard over the years about the, the Meshkia forgot his coat and he went back and he saw them doing something in the building when he wasn't supposed to be there. Well, that's the kind of thing you have to do occasionally to, cut, to, to come in at unexpected hours. So these are some of, the, uh, of the, some of the tricks that we could use today. So what does it matter to me? It matters to me very much. I, when I speak to a mashkiach, when I speak to a mashir, I want to ask him whether, first of all, did he ever hear about this? Does he know about the problems with the locks today? Does he, what does he do to determine which lock to use? Has, how is he monitoring it? Now, again, if you want to be a believer that we're not talking about the frumju, uh, he won't bother himself to go through all this trouble because he's not going to cheat. 
maybe maybe that's true. But when talking about a non-Jew or a non-religious Jew, where there's tremendous money being made in the game, I know one caterer that earns over a million dollars a year. One caterer that I know, is, he doesn't own little one little catering facility. He has a whole slew of things. But the man earns very, very, very serious money every year. And he, a man like that is not going to be stopped. He goes on Shabbos to his affairs, on Shabbos in the car. He's not religious. He's married to a non-Jewish lady. He goes on Shabbos. He watches everything. A man like this, you say, why would he want to blow it for himself? Because he can get away with it, and he knows he's going to get away with it. He's been breaking the rules of the Kashrus agency for years and getting away with them. He's too big for them to let go. They have to stay with him, and he knows it. So I, he's, will he chance it? I don't know. Obviously, many people over the past few years, we've seen that many people have chanced it. They've lost. Okay, maybe some get away with it. But obviously, we want to have a situation where the locks are in place, and they can't be picked. We want to know that the conscious agency is sufficiently knowledgeable about the whole thing, cares enough, stays on top of it enough. So that's a question that I would ask. Well, how would I phrase it? I would just say that I had a very interesting discussion at the ACO conference. Were you there? No, no we, weren't there. we weren't there. Did you find out what happened there? No, I didn't have a chance to find out. Well, how do you handle the locks? Uh, well, we have some locks, and you know, they're good locks, and people are from, and they're nice, they're people, or we don't, we don't trust them. It doesn't work anymore. First, the, the first thing is you got to rotate locks. You can't use the same locks in the same. You have to keep moving them around to different places. Number two, you got you to try to get the, the, the highest quality. You have to do the thing about coming in uh, at off hours. You, ha you have to start doing these things if the person is not trying to on a non-religious or non-Jewish ownership, then he's not on top of his game. And that's something that we want to know for, we, because we're invited there. Somebody asked now, is there a problem eating an orange? The answer is no problem eating an orange, just deciding which one to buy. We mentioned in the previous week that um, the outside of the eating oranges that we're used to eating, the navel oranges, there's like a waxing, and it doesn't allow these scales to come off very easily. But a scale, once you identify, you understand what scale is, if you see them, you can pick them off. It's not a big deal. And if you, and if you don't know what they are and this and that, so you avoid anything that looks brownish and whatever. But you can cut open an orange, cut off the skin, the, the, the skin as long as you're careful not to cut uh, these things and let them get into your orange. Of course, it's 100% you can eat oranges as it is. No, no problem whatsoever. And even the, the uh, juice oranges, which are the ones that might have the scale on it and not have the waxing, if you're careful, you're careful. But when they, had, when they do it in, a, uh, in, a, in, in an oranges factory, they're, they're not necessarily getting the high-grade oranges that you're getting here. And you know that to sell things, they sift through it to give you the highest quality. You know those stores that sell the cheap stuff? Those stores, they're getting the lower quality. And you know how much is thrown out in the store that you buy in? They're always throwing out some bad, uh, bad fruits. So it doesn't even get into the boxes if it's, if it's poor quality. 
But in the in the making of juice, they don't care. I I saw how they do it. I have the the video. There's a machine that just scrapes off all the oranges and puts them together. Nobody selects through them. I see we're coming to the end, and therefore, if people want to join us for the uh, on if women want to join up for the for two weeks from now, from a week from Motzei Shabbos on Pasha Shmos for uh, uh, an insect infestation training program to be able to identify the insects and then how to properly check the, the vegetables, please call us at 718-336-8544. Or if you want to get that uh, the filter from us, you call us again, 718-336-8544. And until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler for Kashmir on the Air.